Tannerman, did you tell him about the live show we have coming up April 13th? It's a Saturday. Matchbox One Loudon, the Santana Moss show live, baby, from 1 to 3 p.m. In my neck of the woods, so come one, come all, and you'll see me and my dog, Ball. Can't wait. Keep watching the podcast every week like you always do for more details. And we'll see you there. All right, Tanner, let's tell them about our game day BOGO deal. Mm-hmm. That's your line. I'll read it, I guess. Paisanos is bringing it big time every Sunday. Go ahead, Tana. Tana, that's your... You can buy any large pizza and get a second pizza for free. Tell them, Tana. Uh, use the online code BOGO Pizza on the app or online. And then what can they do with the second pizza, Tana? <laughs> second pizza's free with equal or lesser value. I'm, I'm going to eat. I don't care. Oh, Lord. I spilled all over myself. Coming up on the Santana Moss Show, we take a look back at my weekend. Where is Santana? And what about Santana reminiscing over you, my God? The Final Four is here, locked and set. And that's two teams that never seen this day. Good point. And we honor two icons, gone too soon, but never forgotten. The Santana Moss Show podcast starts right now. It's the Santana Moss Show. Former through the ball game. Number 89, hustle all the time. Travis on the right, hot mic on the left. Every single week, it's a lyrical What? 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 Ah, oh, Santana Moss Show podcast. How you doing, Tana Man? What's up, my friend? Santana Moss, Travis Thomas. Man, we got a lot to get to. So much basketball. Obviously, we're going to talk March Madness. I mean, listen, man, they call it that for a reason, right? Yes. My God. So we'll get to that, but. As usual, we want to start with, where have you been? Where has Tana been? When in the world has Tana... You've been all over the place. Where you always are. in the world is Carmen Sandiego? So I saw a picture with you and Mark Brunel. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Can we get Mark Brunel on the show, please? Yeah, He's a know. lefty, fellow lefty here. I need yeah. Brunel here. Mess with my man, Marky I Mark. I like him. This weekend, I spent some time Saturday signing autographs with some fans, local fans. Got a chance to bring their memorabilia in. That's uh, where he was? Yeah, we was okay. at Dulux Expo. They okay. had NFL greats from past and present. Mm-hmm. You know, I took pictures with Ed Reed and my boy Reggie Wayne, my UM buddies, UM sweet mates. Uh, and teammates, Mark Brunel, me and Keenan McCarty are rapped for a little while. You've oh, seen wow. everybody, Sony Michelle, all those guys was there. It was wow. so many guys yeah. there. Ray Lewis told me he loved me about 10 times. And, you know, <laughs> Did how he Ray, say it like the Tanner? I love you. Everything you love do you boy. for the community. I love you, boy. Nah, but Ray, boy. Ray is a good guy. Every time I see him, man, he, he shares so much love. And well, wisdom. tell him come on the damn show, Definitely too, then. Definitely got to get my man Ray in here, too. But it was a fun outing, especially for the fans. Yeah. They line up, they pay to come in and see their favorites. That was my Saturday, actually. I will say this about Mark Brunel real quick, because Tana's humble. He won't say it, so I'll say it for him. Tana has always, behind the scenes, I think even on the camera, you've, well, I don't know. You're pretty political. On the camera, you show love to all your former quarterbacks. But off camera, I feel comfortable sharing that you said, hey, Vinny showed you love and Mark Brunel. You always talk about Mark Brunel. (laughs) That's my quarterback. If I had to put it in terms of T.O. said, that's my quarterback. <laughs> what was the Brunel Moss connection? What made it special? Because I'm trying it, to get him on the show, so I want him to see this clip. What made it special is because he was a veteran. He yeah. was a guy that just knew the game. And I was a young guy that was hungry. I was mm. hungry, and I did everything that was asked. It's rare that you get guys to play the position that I play because they consider us as you know being divas to come out there and 
when it's not your time to go, you're still going. Right. When you're not in the rotation or when you're not in the progression, you still find a way to get open. And that's what made me successful with Vinny because he noticed that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I come over to the Redskins in 05. Patrick Ramsey's the starting quarterback. We had me and Mark probably threw one pass to me the entire training camp. Wow. You know, week one, we play in Chicago, and Mark comes trotting in the game because Patrick <laughs> Ramsey's out. Right. And it just was like immediately we just found chemistry. And think about it. It was the next week when we had the miracle on Monday night. Yeah. That happened. So it was just a guy that saw quarterbacks watch film probably the most in the mm-hmm. building. And you can see a guy like myself just going hard every time. Like, man, that guy right there keeps showing up. Even when he's not in the you know rotation, most of the time you take a break, Tanner's showing up. So Mark would come in the huddle, and we would come out of the huddle, like, Tanner, I might need you. Mm. That's all I want to hear because I've been that guy from day one, you know, and I learned that as a kid, you know, playing ball, especially in high school. My head coach would always make me and my homeboy who play receiver on run plays run go routes. We used to be like, what is the reason we're doing go routes every play? He said, because I want to love these guys to sleep. I want you to take off on these guys every time to show them how fast you is one, but also show them that you never know when we get in the ball. Right. So. At that moment when you feel like, man, they done ran 25 go-routes on me, I'm not covering them, boom, oh. they go the dagger. You Especially know? if the run game's working, he's and, going and our underneath. Game, uh, we had three or four running backs that's you know Ooh. averaging 1,000 yards. So you think about it. You got the wing T playing in the right. backfield. Your quarterback looking like Tommy Frazier back there. Right. He has 1,000 yards rushing. Both running backs, your fullback and your halfback got 1,000 yards rushing. Oh. And you think and run. But you see us running past you every time. And then now when we need you the most – Come state playoff time, Tanner averaging 100 plus yards a game because these guys don't been loved to sleep so much. I respect that about your game. I always have is you're a track guy. You could run that straight line like nobody's business, but as you grew as a football player, you learned how to route cats up too. Yeah. And you could run a slant, you could run a comeback. I mean, you could run everything. Well, not to dismiss, I won't never say I was a track guy. And people ask me that all the time. And I wasn't a track guy, I was a guy that took track serious because I know it would help me be a football player. So you were a football, football player running track. From day one. From day one. Like, I wasn't a guy that you can put in the 100 and the 200 and say he's world class. Right. No, I wasn't that. Plenty of guys out there that can blow my doze off when yeah. it comes to sprinting. But now if you put me in a 60 meter where Ooh. my speed was now, you know what I mean? Off I was the a guy line. that can turn it on right now. Mm. And eventually over the years of running so much, I learned how to sustain that speed, to hold it. I didn't know how to do that as a young track athlete. So that's what led me to be a jumper more than a sprinter because I'm like, hey, I have hops to be this five, seven, five, nine guy, right. you know, when I was young. But I can't sustain that speed. I can't hold it. I know how to pick it up real quick. Yeah. Like I would jump out on everybody and come out to 60 meters when guys starting to stand up and turn <laughs> over. <laughs> My back tight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's why I would always tell guys like, no. Even Reggie Wayne told me that. I remember we was in college and he said, Tanner, truthfully, when we all stood up and said our names and, you know, where we from. And he said, when you stood up and said Santana Moss, walk-on, track guy, he said, I looked at you as a track guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, everybody kind of looked at me as that because that's the way I got in the door. That's how you got in. But I said, if you knew me, you knew football was my number one sport. It's just I was good enough to go out there and participate on certain relays, right. and, you know, and be a state champion in triple jump and long jump. But football was my world. And mm. if it wasn't for my coach to say, hey, Tanner, get back out there on that track because it's going to help you have a great year next year, I would never know. I would never did it. So I went out there because my coach told me to go again because I had stopped running track. 
you know, and it was just because of me and another coach had a little beef going on. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the reasons why I think the world of my head coach, Coach Frazier, man, if it wasn't for him, I would never got those state champion titles. I would never got a state championship ring in track, you know, as a team also. And then that actually helped me build on to my <laughs> senior year in football. I can't help but to think about the young people now playing sports and how specialized sports is now. Yeah. One thing for my son, you know, he'll be two this summer, so he's just getting started. I have a daughter on the way that I'm going to put in sports also. I'm going to make sure they play everything. Yeah. I think nowadays putting kids in these specialized – he only is a pitcher. He only plays baseball year-round. He only plays basketball year-round. You have plenty of time till that comes. That's going to come eventually once you kind of figure out what sport you're in and you're on a team and all that. I think when kids are young, they should play everything. And so hearing you talk about that, how you did football, you did track, I know you hoop too. Yeah. I think that teaches kids how to compete. Yeah. I think it's good for development of a young athlete. Would you agree with that? No doubt. And one of the things that I proudly talk about to others, like I was just sharing a story with a friend of mine the other night, and I'm saying – I never was scared of the competition part of my right. sport. Late in my career, when I was taken out of being the number one guy to be in a slot, it wasn't that, Tanner, you can't do this no more. No, the exact words that came out of Coach Shanahan's mouth, and I don't have no problem with sharing it, was, Tanner, we still see you can separate at 33, 34 years old. Wow. You're still a number one, number two receiver on his team. At that time, Pierre was much younger, and I took my hats off to him. The guy was a number one guy. Yeah. But – at that age, I was still able to do what I could do at the Z receiver. Shanahan said, I can prolong your career by right. putting you in a slot, taking the load off of you. And knowing I just had another surgery, was which was my to, third surgery. That helped you. That helped me. Yeah. So if I was ignorant and didn't accept that, Ego. maybe I'd been home on the couch because right. I wouldn't accept it. But I was smart enough to say, you know what, let me see what this is going to do for me. And that year, I led the team in touchdowns, eight touchdowns. Pierre ended up coming back because he had a little toe injury, and he ended up leading in yards by 40 or 50 yards. But I was second. And fast forward to 2014, we bring in Roberts Mm. as the number one receiver, number one B, I call it, Mm because when you have a number one, when you have two guys starting, to me that's number one A, number one B. There's no one and two. Sure. You know, you could call it what you want to call it, but that's how I call it. And I was a slot guy. We got fortunate and got Deshaun coming in because he got cut. Yeah. And then they say, okay, we're going to move Roberts in front of Tanner. It would never once said let Roberts compete for that job. Sure, That what took me by surprise. Like, Coach, at the end of the day, regardless of how much money you guys paying him, let me compete for this. Don't right. just take something from him because I don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. And maybe because of it's a new coach here. He don't owe me nothing. He doesn't know what I can do and how I've been pivotal and what I stood for as a player, how mm-hmm. I practice, how I compete. What you bring to the locker room. What I bring. All that's on film. You don't really have to really see it in person. But I was just playing that daily in practice and how I carry about myself. And even he said something about it one day when I'm out there preparing for practice. He walks out there every day early and he see me warming up before everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. Like, damn, I'm telling you out here again. This is how much this matters to me. So for a coach not to give me a chance to fight for my position, to this day it still don't sit well with me because you can never tell me that you fought me for my job and I lost it. I would proudly say you won if I had a chance to sit there and fight for something because that's all I knew. That's all I knew growing up. Go battle for this. Go show this guy. Go prove to them these guys why you deserve it, why you don't deserve it. And when I got into UN, that's why it was no problem. It was no problem to sit there. And I had no problem with being the guy next to the guy. Because guess what? That guy is going to always allow me to be who I am because he's not going to be able to be that guy all the time. 
and I'm going to be able to shine bright next to him because I'm considered that guy too. I don't believe in myself as being second to nobody or third to nobody. I feel like I have enough to display, enough to show that when you give me the opportunity, I'm going to shine. So that's why when I see these kids and I see guys coming up in the game, they worry about where they're at, who better. Don't worry. If you consider yourself as that guy, you're going to have your chance for that light to shine on you. Okay, well, let's do this then, Tanner. Let this sizzle in your spirit. You know, the Redskins could use uh, some wide, re- <laughs> wide receiver help right about now. Not at 40. Not Redskin at 40. fans, uh, can we start a petition to get this man to come back to the Redskins? Let's start it right now on no. your show and make an announcement. I feel like every week I try to get you to make an announcement that you're coming back to the Redskins. I, I knew Jerry went out then and said he would give it a go at 40, <laughs> but this, this man here ain't doing it at 40, man. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I, you stuff, ain't 40 till June 1st, yeah, bro. But it, it pumps in my veins <laughs> daily, man. Like, I watch this game to this day. I I watch things that's been displayed, and I'm like, man, what if? And, yeah, you know, I don't yeah, never boy. live on what else. But the game has changed, it man, has, drastically. It has. And it's crazy because me and you shared this conversation, and we're going way off topic today. Hey, this is your show. We do what we want. You're right, and we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this basketball stuff. It's odd. I appreciate you for doing it because yeah. – when I used to hear the stuff, too, about Tanner as a slot guy, I'm like, man, half of these millenniums don't know what I've done in right. this league or before I got to here. And they just seeing these last from 2012 to 14 yeah, thinking I was a bit. slot guy. Right. Man, bro, I went out there with the best of them on the outside at 5'9", at 190 pounds plus at times. And it's just funny to me because now you're seeing these guys in a slot whether it's Landry, you name it. I've seen Welker, I've seen Edelman, all these guys have been displayed as upper echelon top receivers in sure. this game for doing what they do in the slot. Give them credit. I give them credit because I like them. I like all their games. But what they're doing for 90 catches and not putting up the yards and making the Pro Bowls and stuff, I'm like, man, I used to have 1,000 yards and didn't make it to Pro Bowls with less catches and you couldn't even get a nod in the Pro Bowl. That just goes to show you how the game evolved and has changed. Yep. And now it's awarding <clears throat> these guys that just doing what they do in the slot. I wish I was a guy that can go out there and put my 2012 season on the line and say, I know I deserve a Pro Bowl that year because I was the guy that won games off of what I did, you know, week in and week out in the slot position. That's a fair point by you because I think back in the era in which you played, the T.O.s and the Randy Mosses and the Megatrons, these big physical specimens, were kind of the way to go. Yeah. And now, not saying those guys still don't have value. Obviously, they always will. But now, you know, you mentioned the Edelmans of the world. You know, you're smaller guys that can route you up yeah. and are reliable as far as catches. I mean, listen, you just can't touch the wide receivers anymore either, Tana. So to me, if you play now, boy, you talk about eating. These guys yeah. couldn't touch you off the line. Oh, it's a problem. Yeah. You're getting open every time different, you're making it's that a different catch. World it's a different world, no yeah. question. All right, let's go to March Madness. Tana, last we talked, I mean, there was Duke, there mm. was Gonzaga, there was UNC, all those dudes, all number ones, out of here. Forget about it. Now, they're still number one. Yeah. UVA, a one seed that's left in the Final Four. We'll get to the Final Four in a second. I want to mm-hmm. reflect on the teams that have been whacked. For me, I had UNC winning this whole thing. I put my money where my mouth is, Tana, and I still think Auburn is hitting threes in that game. Bruce Pearl shot a three and hit it. <laughs> I saw the Auburn mascot hit a three. Everyone was hitting threes. It was like Oprah passing around. Three. You get a three. You get a three. You get a three. I mean, what are you going to do? UNC, Duke, Gonzaga out. What do you take away from Sweet 16, Elite 8? 
By the way, that was here in D.C. Yeah. But, well, you know, what are your takeaways from it? You know, I'm going to chime in on a couple of teams that stood out that I was watching. Duke, I was Duke, all yeah. eyes on Duke. Yep. Michigan State, they outlasted the guys. I mean, you can find many faults in that game. One, I would say, where is my man Reddish and Jones? Yep. Yep. Those two guys didn't show up. Uh, two, I would say, in the last three possessions, you didn't give the ball to Zion, yeah. to the most dominant player on the court. That's the reason to lose. And when you lose by one, you have to put all those reasons in consideration. But then you also can't tip your head off to the team in Michigan State. Then they played great team basketball, coached well. And when it came time to make those plays, you got to give a pass off to uh, Kenny Goins. Yes. He hit the most critical play in the moment that mattered the most. That yep. three there put him up. That was the game-winning shot. Game. So when I see all that display, man, look, Zion went out there, played lights out. Barrett, lights out. But that had been the entire season for Duke. Individuals. And we wondered when would this run out. I ain't going to lie to you. Being a fan this year of Duke, watching these games closely, when I saw them down in that situation, I said, you know what? They've been up in this situation, and the other team has been the team to make the shot. Now they're in a situation to make this shot. Who's going to do it? To tie it, go overtime, or win the game. I don't think they're going to do it. And Uh I really saw myself sitting there biting my nails like, I haven't seen him in this situation but once when Reddish was the guy that yeah. hit it home for Florida clutch. State game. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't showed up the entire game. It's been Zion and Barrett. And to see Zion not get the ball on that drive when Barrett went up there and got the foul and went to the line, first thing I said when he went to the foul line, I'm like, they down by two. What he can do is at least if he don't make the first one, you got to miss the second one, get he the rebound the at least. Yeah. He makes the second one. He did the opposite. He makes the second. You missed the first one. Oh, man, you put us in the hole. You make the second one? No, I'm missing both of those things. Now I'm hitting that ball some kind of way off the backboard, off the rim, and giving my guys a chance to at least fight for the rebound. uh, But just to see those guys go down that way, it was a hard-fought game. Tip your head off to Michigan State. They did all the right things. You got Cash Money Winston. Woo! Played ball. What he had? I 20, think he's the best player 20, on the court. Twenty that game. plus points. I 10, love Zion. 10 I love assists, RJ Barrett. One turnover, and then you got to think he was about a guy. Michigan State won the turnover category. Yes, I know in football it means a lot to us. Yeah, we always say that if you can lead the turnover battle, nine times out of ten you're going to win the game. Yep. Michigan State had seven turnovers. Duke alone had seventeen. So that handicaps you alone. But for we you don't. to lose the game by one, yeah. and your most valuable player not to have the ball in those last three goals at it, I just found it odd. And to me. That's a tough way to go out if you don't give that guy a chance to make a difference. I would agree with you. I'll say this about Gonzaga. I saw a lot of memes and a lot of stuff on the internet after they lost that they always kind of put you through this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go that far. I think this was the best Gonzaga team we've seen in a long time. I'll just say this. Texas Tech and UVA both play this. Ten, it's almost like a boa constrictor mm-hmm. style where – As the game goes on, it seems like they squeeze you tighter and they suffocate you. And by the time the game's over, you're choked out and they beat you in this like rock fight almost. So to me, I think that's what happened to Gonzaga, quite frankly. I picked that in my bracket. I had Texas Tech beating Gonzaga because I thought that would happen. I thought Gonzaga was strength versus strength. They could score. Texas Tech will stop you from scoring. It's as Mm -hmm. simple as that. So those kind of games, you almost know by the first half how it's going to go. Yeah. By the first half, I thought Texas Tech did a good job scoring with Gonzaga, but really it was like a Texas Tech game, defensive-minded, and they did a great job. So they won that game. Gonzaga's out. So Duke, Gonzaga, UNC gone. UVA left standing there one. Texas Tech, Michigan State, and Auburn 
are your Final Four. How do you see this playing out, Tana? It's just odd. You know, in Final Four of many years, you always see the favors. You always see the guys <laughs> that have been there before. Yep. You can at least rest assured say, oh, well, we've seen this before. We've seen this matchup. This Final Four, you got two schools who's never been there, Auburn and Texas Tech. You got one school who never won a title, yeah. UVA. Last time they've been to the Final Four in 1984. Michigan State's one of those guys that is familiar. They're a familiar face. They've been there. They go every four years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I find it hard just to see Duke not there, honestly. <laughs> Duke or UNC, yeah. I find one it of very them. one of these guys, at least Final Four. Sure. At least Final Four. So that's very hard to me, but I'm looking to see some good outings. I mean, one of the things that drives me to watch this game around this time of year yep. is the star power. And you can say Zion's gone, so the star power's gone. No, you got to look at Auburn. I said some about these guys earlier before we got into this whole, whole tournament that they have some guys that can play The best play player ball. got hurt, and it the doesn't even matter. The best player got hurt, and Harper and those guys still went out there and made it happen. So to see those guys do what they do. And then one of the things, too, you can think about and you look at what we've been talking about all season long when you're watching college basketball. For years, many years, it's Kentucky with the young guys. This year, Duke with the young guys. Freshmen, freshmen. What freshman class is going to be the class to cut down those nets? But it seems that at the end, the veterans show up. This game has always shown a way to prove you wrong at times. That as much as we want to ride on these freshmen that come in, get their little championships or have great seasons from Kentucky or Duke or UNC or some of them schools like that with the big names and get up out of there after that first year, these veterans have shown up in this, at least in this tournament. And I think for the last couple of tournaments, the veteran classes have been the classes that's been cutting down the net. So you honestly get a chance to see team basketball play in this Final Four. Can I ask you something as a former athlete? Is there something to, because I've always said this, I think with these one-and-done kids, mm-hmm. these super freshmen, right? When you get to Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and it's late March, <sighs> you're a human being. Yeah. Are you not? Thinking about the combine for the NBA? Are you not listening? Is your agent not in your ear? We know the thing happened with Zion where the shoe exploded. He tweaked his knee. I mean, these guys are human beings. Do you think there's something to, because I've always said, I think these superstar freshmen, when you get late in March, don't care as much as a guy like a Cassius Winston who's been there three years, who's been through the wars and may not have an NBA career like a Zion. In fact, forget may not. He won't have an NBA career like a Zion, like an R.J. Barrett. This is these guys' livelihood, some of these upperclassmen who yeah. won't play on the next level or won't at least get the shoe deals and that kind of stuff. To me, I've always bet against those freshman teams because I think when you get late in the game in March – they have distractions, Dan. Well, Am I wrong for that? As an athlete, what do you think the mentality is? I don't think the mentality of these guys thinking ahead because one of the things about being a competitor, you're in for the moment. Okay. When I'm out there on the court, when I'm out there on the football field, you want to win regardless of what's going to be coming to you down the road. All right. You know, even as a senior, if you know that I have a great shot of being a first-round pick, I'm trying to win right now. You know, I'm trying to go out there and be the best I can be because you don't want to lose where you at. You don't want to use that that status. Oh, hey, I'm considered the first rounder, so I'm going to go out here and tank it now. And then now I got to work harder to get back up to that status. So mm-hmm. I can assure you those guys are not thinking about what's going on ahead of But the reality of it all is you're just young. You're not. The moment is sometimes bigger than you. And regardless of how well you play, those guys that season a little bit, that been there or not even haven't been there, but that played a little more, that has a little more seasoning to them, they're just more prepared 
for the situation, the for the yeah. moment. They're more, the situation matters that much more. Okay. They feel like, hey, this is my last try. This is my last shot. This is my only chance. If I play big now, I get a chance to be looked at on the same level as a Zion who can leave out of this thing as quick as he came in. I get a chance to look at it as a Barrett, you know what I mean, as a, a Reddish. These guys who have freakish athletic ability and size, you know, yes, I had to go a different route, but I get a chance to put it all together with this team. You know, as much as these guys get looked at as individuals, it's a team sport. And if I could do my part, then I allow my team to excel and be able to dominate over a guy who's considered to be the team. That's what happened to Duke, if you think about it. In all reality, Duke was a great team because of the individuals. Yes. If you watch their game, people are out of place. And I'm not a basketball guy. I don't know the terminology. I don't know the damn plays. But that's the first time I watch a coached K team coached and didn't see these guys set up in formations and different little schemes to get guys open. Yeah. You got two guys that They're can, usually the opposite. Yes. Yes. So I'm saying these guys just play basketball and they say at worst case scenario, give it to give you it know, to him and give it to him <laughs> and then watch you go make a play. Yeah. And that's why you lose because point. you're not playing together. And regardless of how dominant you can be, when it's a team sport, it's not tennis. It's yeah. not track. You have to ride with your team. And you can't rely on certain guys when it comes to those critical moments because, like, as much as we want to give Michael Jordan the credit for being the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan relied on certain guys to hit those shots when he needed sure. them the most to win the game. Yes, he might have got them there, but guess what? When I'm covering, when I feel like I can't get the shot that I want, oh, we have a Kirk over there, you know, Steve um, Kerr over there. Yeah. Oh, we have Paxson, Paxton yeah. over there. You know what I mean? He relied on those guys that when the moment was too much, it wasn't too much because he knew that he had somebody else in place. To your point, I think that's why Coach K for a long time fought against getting the one-and-done kids. And then in recent years, he hasn't had a choice because college basketball has just changed that yeah. much. Let me get your predictions real quick. UVA-Auburn is the first game Saturday. Who do you like? That's <laughs> defense versus offense. Well, UVA going around being that the last two years we talked about these guys should have been champions and it's kind of odd to see these guys in this situation now, knowing that this season could have went any way for them. I'm going to ride with them only because of the local team. This goes out the door. This is just me. I'm not uh-huh. going to sit here and tell you the analytics of the game right. and why this team is better. Auburn is riding high. I think their best player is out. It's going to hurt them sooner or later. Auburn hasn't missed yet. Mm-hmm. They haven't missed. And we notice when you're on, you're on. When it counts, sometimes it can be one of situations like a Final Four when you're not hitting those shots and UVA could come up big because being a team that could play defense and still have guys come up big, you saw the other night they came up big when the time mattered. And that was against a team that I feel like they had a guy that couldn't miss. So I think UVA get the nod. Believe it or not, right now they're playing with house money because yeah. they finally made it to the Final Four. I think the pressure is off. The pressure is it off. It erases at UMBC yes. embarrassment last year. Texas Tech, Michigan State, boy, that's a – Fist fight, isn't this it? fight. I mean, Texas Tech has showed us that they're not here just to be here. Yeah. These guys play exceptionally well defensively, clog lanes, clog holes, whatever you want to call it. You'll find it odd to sit here and say that they're going to go out there and just lay an egg. I think Texas, I'm going to get Texas Tech to now. Nah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Texas Tech UVA, Tana has in the final. That will be the most boring final of all time. Boring is all boring <laughs> finals ever. If you like defense and taking charges. Well, we just saw that in the Super Bowl. Good you know, luck. it was the boring Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, good ever. point. No question. <laughs> Not to bring it down, but I got to ask you, I believe I texted you when it happened. Gosh, rapper Nipsey Hussle killed right out front of his store. I texted you, and I think you had already heard. 
but you didn't know he had passed yet. And then we texted back and forth as the news. I'm riding uh, the car. You said you heard Nipsey Hussle died. Yeah. I'm like, no, I heard he you got already shot. got shot. Sad day in hip hop. Sad day, you know, in L.A. Sad yeah. day for everybody or, and, or or anybody that followed this guy. We were Nipsey both Hussle. big fans of his. Big fans of the guy. It was crazy, man. Edrin texts back and forth. And he said, "Damn, Tanner, you just spoke to me about listening to this guy music the other yeah. day, and I was telling you I was gonna get on it." First of all, I want to send out my condolences to Nipsey's family. You know, great father figure, social activist, community, community leader. leader. Yeah, He was a guy that regardless of how you start in life, and this motto goes on with anything you do, period, in the world. It doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish. He was nowhere near finished. He was doing things that was going to restructure how we was brought up, how the kids of his inner city it's brought up. If you look back at some of the things he was doing, buying up the whole block, creating jobs for folks, giving guys other ideas other than banging, game banging. Yeah. He was just doing so much, man. And, you know, we always say the good die young. This guy meant so much to a lot of folks, man, just to see him go out that way. I'm really confused because it's crazy, man, that when it happened, my son, me and him reached out to each other. My oldest, he told me he was playing basketball at a park nearby a house in Miami. And, yes, we still a little out from a lot of the, the craziness, but craziness can find you anywhere. No doubt. I never shy away from telling my kids or whoever it is that I love, like, when I get off the phone with you, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I say, hey, man, be safe out there. And I say, you heard what happened to Nipsey Hussle? And he like, yeah, Dad, I know, man, that's crazy. I say, Santana, I'm going to tell you something. I say, that's why your father always stay away from confrontation. If it's not something that, I have to be involved in because it was brought to me. Sure. I avoid it. I said, what I mean by this, and then his cousin, who I also take care of, hit me up, and we was all in a group text together. And I said, man, God, I love you. Austin just turned 22. Santana's 18, going on 19 in May 1st. And I say, look, man, trouble is easy to get into and hard as hell to get out of. Yeah, buddy. My dad used to say that to me repeatedly. Trouble is easy to get into and hard as hell to get out of. And... Nipsey didn't wake up that morning looking for somebody to be bothering him. He politely told a guy who he felt that whatever we might call it in our neighborhoods, and this is just something that I've heard, allegedly heard, that, hey, man, you know, you supposedly be working with somebody and sniffing someone. You told. You police. Yeah. What we might see in the hood. Right. I don't think it's wise for you to be around here. If that bothered you that much to kill me and take my life, then I don't want to say nothing to nobody else ever. No kidding. If I have something going on with you or not. And I told my son, I say, avoid confrontation. I say, if you don't have to say nothing to somebody because it wasn't brought to you, don't go that route because people have vendettas. People have agendas. Mm. This guy, you can't tell me that this guy didn't have an agenda already with Nipsey Hussle. You can't tell me that that wasn't premeditated. He had that in his mind before that argument or whatever transpired happened. So I find it hard to sit here and just think that this guy was that offended that I will walk off and come back and kill you. Not just kill you, not just shoot you, but make sure you're dead. Because we know that unless we want you in that moment, we're not going to go that extra mile. And I think that guy went that extra mile because he had something out for this guy way before that argument happened. And I was a guy, a big fan of Tupac and Biggie. I put Pac over Biggie for many reasons. He was a Gemini. He I spoke him, to you more. I felt him a little more. Biggie was a hell of an artist, yeah. especially when it came to his lyrics. But to see the way those guys went and then to see 
Nipsey as to me the next Pac. He's this generation's Pac. Of this generation. I think that's fair to say. It's hard, man. And beyond what I feel, what the hip-hop nation feel, what the world feel, it's his family. No doubt. Those kids, man. The yep. people that he mattered the most to, the people that he's been lining up, setting up to have opportunities in life. I hope deeply as somebody that's second behind him that can carry on any and everything that he started because there's a lot of people that's going to miss out. And there's no telling what that area is going to be like if these guys don't get their opportunity. Nipsey's life was not in vain. He helped a lot of people. His music will live on forever. His messaging will live on forever. And that's up to us to continue to make sure that happens for the rest of our lives, for sure. There are kids nowadays who only know of Tupac because us old heads made sure that they know about him and what he stood for. We'll have to do the same with Nipsey Hussle. It's unfortunate, but your life was not in vain, for sure. Another person that affected people and inspired them was your friend and teammate, Sean Taylor. He would have turned 36 years old Monday. Nipsey died a night before Sean's birthday. So every year that Mm -hmm. his birthday passes, I think about you and what it must be like for you. You want to speak about that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, as much as I lie and say don't choke me up, it chokes me up every time. I mean, honestly. And yesterday I found myself not saying a word. I didn't say nothing on social media. It gets crazy because you see all the posts, and I appreciate those folks who do what they do because I just didn't want to be another person on there just talking about something that I feel like it goes with me every day. Today was the day I got in my car and I said, happy birthday, Sean. I wanted to do it today. I wanted to do it the day after because regardless of what day it is, it's not a day that I don't think about him or yell out something towards him up there. I, for some odd reason, I believe from this hearing my grandmothers and older folks in my family tell me that those people watching over you, you know, and I truly believe he's watching down on some of his family members and the people that matter the most to him. This would have been his 36th birthday. Hmm. The things that he was doing before that, just that year alone that he passed, he was leading the league in picks, five picks, had just missed two games because of a knee injury and was getting well to get ready to get back out there. Definitely a pro bowler, probably was going to be a pro bowler for the rest of his career. So much you can say. Rob was talking earlier about some of the things that I shared on different interviews. It's a lot, man. I can go on and on and on, but one of the things I want to do is we're in a situation now that we should – celebrate guys like Nipsey Hussle, guys like Sean Taylor that meant so much to their community, meant so much to whatever profession it was that they was linked to. So I want to just always think about the good things, man. Some of the memories that I share with them, that we laugh. Even leading up to his death, man, that week was crazy. I look back and think on it like, man, if you can tell me that we was going to have that much fun with just having, conversing a little bit right before meetings, doing meetings, after meetings, on our way to the game, leaving him behind. If you can tell me that that's how much fun you're going to have and then that guy's going to be gone, I don't want to experience that ever again with anybody. you know. And that's just crazy part about it. Men, porters talk about it daily when we're around each other or whenever we just find something to talk about, that you couldn't tell me as much as we laughed that week together and that day before we left and saw Sean for the last time that – that's your last time on earth. So you have to appreciate life, man. You have to appreciate this life we live. It's crazy. It's a crazy world we live in. That's one of the reasons why I tell all my loved ones I love them. Tell my kids I love them. I express it to them. Regardless of what kind of dad I am or how I am, I'm able to get through to you, how stern I am at times and the things I demand. As kids, you need to appreciate when somebody's being hard on you because it's a hard life. And regardless of what you're doing, good or bad, it's a way that things can just transpire that you don't see it coming. And, you know, to be sitting here talking about two guys, Nipsey Hussle and Sean Taylor, to be doing so much with their careers at the moment 
and to see their life just get turned around and not be here today, man, it's hard to speak on. Yeah, no doubt about it. We here at the Santana Moss Show podcast and at Podcast Village, all the shows really, our hearts go out to both families and to these two young black men that affected the world, yeah. quite frankly. Two young kings gone too soon. Tana, let's end the show in a moment of silence. Only feels right. Santana Moss Show Podcast. Thank you, brother. Right.